Welcome to Cross Section, conversations at the intersection of faith, news and culture. Hi and welcome to Cross Section. I'm Jo Evans and this week I'm joined by Alicia and very shortly we'll be joined by John Kirk, the CBE, founder of CAP and more recently co-founder of the Isaiah 61 movement in partnership with CAP Stewardship and the Evangelical Alliance. But before we get on to other news stories of the week, I want to pick up a conversation that we had last week around the illegal migration bill. The Evangelical Alliance has continued to speak up about the issue, and we actually had an email last week from a listener who was, who was troubled by the conversation. It went like this. Hi, I've been a regular listener to your podcast, and I felt the need to express my opinion and concerns regarding your discussion of the migration debate on today's episode. I appreciate your desire to voice both sides of the argument and to avoid getting drawn into party political issues. However, I can't help but be disappointed that your overarching view wasn't appalled at a bill which could prevent anyone from seeking asylum in the UK. This seems to speak fundamentally to the commandment of loving our neighbour as ourself, and I cannot understand why all Christians are not righteously angry about what the Home Secretary is proposing. I'm, I'm going to keep the listener anonymous, but I thought that would be a good place to start. Alicia, we're diving, we're diving straight in at the deep end this week. But l- let's just start. Fill us in on some of the challenges of navigating controversial and contested issues like these before we get into the, the nitty gritty of, of the bill itself. Of course. Uh, And in fact, I might start one step back from that and talk about why the Evangelical Alliance has chosen to speak out on uh, this bill in particular. So with a rich history, we've been existing since 1846 and primarily with two purposes, that it would unify the church and evangelicals across the four nations And simultaneously, that as we are people of mission and evangelism and believing that the kingdom of God is good news to the whole of society, that the evangelical voice would speak into the corridors of authority within policymaking uh, and, and so on and so forth. So fundamentally, the reason why the Evangelical Alliance has engaged on this issue is because of that importance. It's a subject matter that cares deeply around how do we love our neighbor? How do we welcome the stranger amongst our midst? How do we take these biblical strong axioms and contribute positively to the cultural conversation? And in this case, the policy that's going on at the moment. I think in fairness to the listener uh, who is responding to last week's kind of conversation, the at that point, we hadn't put out what is now our official kind of statement that kind of covers some of the concerns that that individual raised. We were doing more info sharing, more signposting about the importance that we are likely to engage in this. And so I guess that's our starting point. And the second or third point linked to this is that it's a continuation of public policy work we've been doing that was linked to the Nationality and Borders Act. And the conversation there, again, around asylum and refugee resettlement and the need for the the asylum system in the UK to reform. So 
personal conviction, organization, legacy, and also because it's building on an expertise that we've been doing for the last 18 months, two years. Yeah, that's really helpful. And and I, I think I already said it, but I do, even though this email was essentially criticizing the podcast last week, I was so encouraged to read it. Anyone is free to to email in positive or negative comments to cross.section at eauk.org. But I, I was so encouraged that someone cared enough both about the bill and about what we were saying about it to get in touch and to continue that conversation. I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. The EA has put out uh, perhaps a clearer statement since then. But I also, I, I do, there is an aspect to, to the comment that I want to push back on a little bit. There was a quote in the in the email which basically said, how, how could any Christian agree with that? And while I take the challenge that, you know, perhaps perhaps we could have been stronger or clearer on certain things, I think as Christians, we want to be so careful to ever say that someone holding this view or someone who says this could not be a Christian. It's that whole thing we talk about the whole time of finding nuance and being compassionate in our conversations and listening to each other. I think we can we can disagree really well and we should as Christians be pushing each other in what we think. But I also think we never want to be saying so-and-so is not a Christian. So it's a really, it's a tricky balance to find. Yeah, Alicia, I don't know if you want to say any more about that. No, and I think I think what you've shared there is completely fair and, and based on some of my video outputs through uh, the Evangelical Alliance Twitter page, there's been uh, dynamic engagement, shall we say, in, in that this bill is tackling multiple things at the same time that it's all about the details. So simultaneously, conversations, why is the EA coming out and talking about immigration more generally? This bill talks about immigration, it talks about asylum resettlement, it talks about victims of trafficking or its impact on victims of trafficking and modern slavery. It covers a whole host of... And when you start reading the bill in detail, you start asking questions. Does the Is this the right approach? Should it, Is it fair to detain someone for 28 days and beyond? Is it right to remove someone to a country that they potentially have no family or cultural heritage, you start to begin to ask bigger and deeper questions. Uh, And with that, the importance of, okay, there's ideals, there's biblical foundation, but how do we create an asylum system specifically in the UK that protects people and sees their value and dignity and worth? That needs to work in both directions. And at the moment, there's problems in terms of how the Home Office is processing applications, the delay in that, and most importantly, the resettlement at community level isn't as smooth or cohesive. So there's legitimate questions that are happening at community level. Yeah, and again, just to be clear, I'll attach this article on the cross-section webpage that we update every week with sort of further reading to the pod, but it does say in black and white, in an article written by Danny on the, webs- on the website that the Evangelical Alliance opposes this legislation. We think it fails to treat people with dignity. It undermines international refugee obligations, makes a mockery of our domestic modern slavery protection, and is more about political point scoring than effectively tackling the problem. We can say those things. I, mean, I guess 
I guess, again, going back to that challenge of we should say those things boldly, but I always want us to be encouraging on cross-section as we think about engaging in conversations, both with Christians, but with our non-Christian peers, we want to be great listeners and understand the other side of the argument so that we can speak truth in love into those conversations better. Um, Yeah, well, continue that conversation. Let us know what you think. Get in touch, cross.section at eauk.org. Now, at this point, I'm going to bring our guest into the conversation, John Kirkby, CBE. As I mentioned, John founded CAP in 1996, an organisation serving tens of thousands of individuals each year by helping those struggling with debt, unemployment and life controlling habits and is equipping people to live well on a low income. And just this month, John Kirkby launched the Isaiah 61 movement, which is what he's here to tell us all about today. Hi, John. It's so good to have you with us. Yeah, it's great to be here. And uh, yeah, really, really interesting conversation to hear. Yeah, very good. Great to be open uh, to lots of different... Yeah, it's really important we listen as well as speak. So yeah, I've enjoyed listening to the... uh, Yeah, already around the immigration bill. Very good. I know you had you had a, a personal story yeah. perhaps that you wanted to share with us in, in reference to that. Yeah, I mean yeah, I mean this is a this is a really a really important subject and it, it, it's a really challenging subject. I think we again just gotta be open with this, the scale of the challenge that this this whole situation brings. I think one of the things, you know, I think the again the comment from the, the comment you got from somebody that said that all the Christians should be, you know, uh, again, I agree with you. Let's never say the phrase "all Christians should." Okay, all the thing we could add after that is "should love Jesus." I think, and uh, yeah, I think would be, I think would be, would be fine on that. I think it's often whether or not it's personally impacted people. I think that is often the case, and I also think that the reality around you know God certainly lays things specifically on different people's hearts at different time and with different reasons. And yeah, I think just that sense of of just grace around. You know what everybody thinks on something as difficult as this that's you know clear cut in many ways but is also very complicated in others just needs that that sense of grace and i think the personal engagement with it you know i, I would say my own in my own situation uh recently uh, yeah a, a friend from church yeah just a really nice guy we got him involved in coming to bradford city with me and my me and my mates on a, on a on a saturday we got some tickets and all the rest of it just got to know him yeah, you know, it tells me about his life and, and you know, he's been here two years and he can't work and he's got no security whatsoever. And then, you know, he's in his early 20s and you say, what about your family? He says, oh, my brother and sisters died. Like, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's kind of, yeah, he's sort of, yeah, he's on his own. And you just go, you know, that's a, sort of the micro of the massive, massive problem, isn't it? That there are millions of people getting up, you know, either desperate to get here actually got here in the system can't get out and 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 the trauma and and the distress that it causes is just it's just unacceptable but then again i just think wow you know sorting this out it just needs some really really does need some proper proper root and branch and often when something is so intractable it needs something dramatic but not this it's almost like it's it's a dramatic mm. response, well done, but it's just ridiculous. Sorry, I just think, mm. think you can't do this. So it's dramatic, yes, but is it the right dramatic? Not in my opinion. 
but there are some things that need to be done. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of people stuck for months not knowing what's going on. With all the trauma they've been through, it's just unacceptable. It's human, it's just not right for the human stuff to suffer that. So, but my mate, you know, again on the human side of it, being a friend, including him in church, being with him, helping, understanding, listening to him—all that also is part of the equation, isn't it, for us to do? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, you articulated it really well there. We've got we've got to both understand the politics and think what are the political solutions without losing the individual people. Yeah. Every person is made in the image of God, and we can't um, forget what individual people are facing and going through. The people sort of involved in the whole mess of this. That in focusing about the individual people, I want to focus on you, John. So you're John Kirkby CBE. You are first, You are our first CBE we've had on the podcast. Right. Tell us about that. Okay. Basically, it's just Johnny Boy. You, you, know, you might be the first Johnny Boy on your <laughs> podcast. Yes. Yeah. In 2018, after, yeah, as I approached the 25-year, yeah, by, yeah, we, we were given a commander of the British Empire for 20-odd years uh, service to the poor in the UK and also given a a doctorate of our local university again for serving our, our our own city for that length of time so pretty bonkers basically it's johnny boyle school at 15. the only time i went to a university was trying to nick the lead so my background would not have uh, yeah, yeah. given me to all the awards that i've got and her majesty the queen had been supporting cat for many years but had asked us not to mention it and we did get a letter from her in 2018 saying it's okay to let it be known so we had some real uh, sort of genuine connection, which was wonderful. So it was a real honour, but it was accepted on behalf of everybody. But yeah, it's just Johnny Boy. Sorry, my wife's just <laughs> my wife's just leaving the room. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's a live podcast. So yes, anyway. So yeah, that's the CBE. Uh, so yeah, yeah, just Johnny Boy, and cannot believe that God could. I don't, you know, what he's done in my life from being in a one room, two kids struggling to feed him in massive debt, broken, lost marriage, to finding faith thirty years ago and seeing a yeah, I yeah, just a transformation. So the grace of God, and uh, I've been the blessed one. Well, that's brilliant. And it's lovely to have you with us. And the main reason we we have you with us today is we want you to tell us all about your new project. But I thought before we got to that, we might talk about the new budget that was announced yesterday. I know with all your years at CAP, this might be of some interest yes. to you. So on Wednesday, Chancellor Jeremy Hunt announced his first budget in the House of Commons. Alicia, obviously, in the last six months, the UK economy has been through some trying times and there's been a lot of efforts to stabilise. What was your sense of the climate of things going into this budget? Well, it was definitely an important one, given at the time that the Chancellor took office, there was threats of, a, you know, going into recession, people potentially losing Houses, the rise, it was in the middle of, you know, the rise of energy costs, rise of inflation in the sense that the price of food was going going up. So there was there was a need for the government to talk about something of the future that brought a little bit more hope than what was their emergency budget announcement last year. I guess the headlines, the, the key takeaways that we'll, we'll probably talk about was a focus on, you know, childcare uh, and support for families with two children, uh, ages nine months uh, upwards to three years, I think it is. There was, of course, the importance of extending the energy price guarantee that originally there was conversations that it would end in April, but that's continued for the next three months. 
And the reason for that short window is because they're hoping, based on the Office of Budget Responsibilities forecasts and predictions, that inflation will come down in the summer and therefore have a positive impact uh, upon uh, energy prices. But I've just been encouraged, I guess that connection to CAP is just reading and following Rachel Gregory and particularly her article that came out yesterday was just a helpful guide of, of, yes, positive things have been done, but more needs to be done. And I just want to read this short clip where she said, social security rates have not only failed to keep pace with the rising cost of living, but have failed to safeguard vulnerable households from destitution. The sad truth is that it will not be enough to turn the tables and make a meaningful difference to the 13.4 million people in the UK today living in, pos- in poverty. But then she ends, but change is possible. And the article goes on to talk about the role of CAP and local church partners in dealing with that. So it's a start, it's a step in the right direction. But again, addressing the longer term and ending poverty is a bigger conversation. Mm. Oh, we love Rachel Gregory on this podcast. She was with us. I guess it must have been a year ago to talk about to talk about the budget. Which, wow, that's frightening how quickly time goes. John, I, I want to know how you feel about yeah. this new budget and how you feel about our nation in general in this moment, in in terms of of poverty and hope for the future. Just joining the Rachel Gregory fan club. I actually saw Rachel yesterday and uh, was able to, obviously, I don't see her, but I see her all the time. So, yeah, she's she's great. Um, wow. Uh, what a question. I think I think the sort of three things I try to do with most things is basically just try and, and place most things in some form of context. Yeah, because without that, it, it is very difficult to really comment, isn't it, on it, unless you put it in context. So, again, as Lucia said, I think, you know, it is it is just has to be acknowledged that what, our nation and many other nations have been through in the last few years with the pandemic and then the war, the Russia war and, 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 and I won't go through the list, but it's, it's pretty massive. I, I think the word unprecedented has been used far too much, but I'm just going to use it once more. I've, I'm 61. <laughs> I've been involved in stuff all my life. Uh, yeah, nothing like this. This is, this is shaking the foundations of people. It's shaking confidence in, in things that we always thought were, were secure. So I think the, the uncertainty that is across our nation has to be acknowledged. I think the restrictions upon which, you know, a man, worst job in the world's got to be the Chancellor of the UK economy, hasn't it? I mean, what's that one? Maybe the Prime Minister might be the second worst or the worst job. But, you know, what what do you do? I, I sit there and think, wow, you know, I've got two of my daughters. One, one's a nurse, child nurse, the other works in the, in, in the NHS. You just go, you listen to them and you think, you know, it's broken. You know, I'm waiting for a new knee. It's broken. Just just dreadful. So I think the context is, is, is real. But I think in anything where the world shakes, the, the truth is it is the poor, the poorest in society who unbelievably carry the greatest burden. I, I just can't quite believe that is the case, but it just is. And certainly this has been excruciatingly, yeah, confirming that, you know, that fact. Millions of people who can't afford to pay the electricity bill get put on a meter where they charge them more for the electricity. I mean, what, who? Yeah, as I said, I left school at 16, but let me tell you, I can work that one out. What, you're on, you can't afford to pay your bill, you put you on a meter, and then we're going to charge you more for the stuff you can't afford. It's just crazy. How Who on earth let that happen? And yes, we finally said, we're going to bring those 
charges in line with what someone would pay on a direct debit, but we're going to give all the millions to the energy companies so that they don't lose out. Never mind anybody losing out. They should be paying less than, you know, and also let's get some stats on how many people meter ran out last week. How many hours does an average person with a meter have no electricity and gas? Let's get the facts out. Stop saying it's down to people who can't put the money in. It's not. So I think that kind of thing, again, yeah, the context. So I think the, I agree the move is forward. Praise God, it's not backward, but it's only just leaning forward. And then you've just got to think of the people. I think people's lives often get changed by other people. So the whole work that the church is doing around around engaging with people, creating community, uh, helping people, you know, helping people where they are, but also inspiring them by his spirit and with community to 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 reach out of their circumstances and break the, the, the generational hold that poverty has brought into people's lives. And then I also finally always realize and finish on the reality is most people, you just got to get on with it. You've got your, you've got your kids, you've got your house, you know, people just get on with it. People go and take separate jobs. People are incredibly uh, innovative, incredibly motivated, unbelievable people, parents around the country, suffering, struggling, pushing relentlessly, seeking to look after their kids and their selves and their homes. So I've got a great belief in people, but I passionately believe that the answer has got to be uh, a change in, you know, in, in community with the church, which is, has got to be at the forefront of it. But I'll also admit it's okay to be overwhelmed. I realize, I think being kind to yourself is really important. And on this one, I can get quite, I just get lost in it, just a bit overwhelmed. <laughs> you know, I've been there, I've been, yeah. literally been there. I put things back on a supermarket shelf. I've had bacon sandwiches on Christmas Day on my own with two kids. So I've been there and it could overwhelm me, but I've only can do what I can do. And I can only pray and believe that, you know, by his spirit and through his church, he can do something, but I can then do my own. I can look after my mate, Bilal. I can take him to football on Saturday. I can make sure he's got enough. I can support charities that are helping the poor. And obviously I can ensure that we put Jesus at the forefront of our belief in transformation. Yeah, I think it's really helpful to to sort of join the dots together of, of, yeah, what's the state of the budget, but then what can I be doing in my own lives, my own circles, my church, my community? I think it's also really helpful to to join the dots together in the sense of, this will seem a bit out of nowhere, but, but we talked about the issue of abortion quite a lot on CrossSec. And there was the stat that, that came out, I think it was on Good Morning Britain this week, that there's an organisation called Pregnant Then Screw, who did some research recently, which found that for one in five women seeking an abortion, the costs of childcare were an influence to that. Um, so seeing that they were pregnant thinking I just can't afford to have another baby it's it's a tiny bit of a big picture but for me seeing the increase in childcare support I see as such a uh, that gives me a lot of hope of of taking care of of I guess women particularly in this case in a more well-rounded way of providing yeah not just for women in pregnancy but for those little children and for women beyond that moment for the next I think it's up to five years yeah. Yeah. Anything, um, anything to help people with those kind of desperate, heart rendering, heartbreaking, life impacting decisions. Yeah. I also saw another thing that gives quite a harsh bit of perspective for, for me anyway is that 200 million in the budget is going to be on local council, councils fixing potholes 
which I, I, I'm sure potholes really affect the lives of people. But those, yeah, yeah those numbers slightly made my eyes like water. It's a classic line there. Have um, this thing, though, that what can we really do? I know what we'll do. Whatever else is going on in the world, you can't, you can't get into the NHS. You can't get anything at all. But let's just mention potholes. And basically, everybody goes, great. And it's like, well, yeah, will it really make any difference? Will it actually get into the pothole? Or will it just go into the hole? I always think that. 200 million into local government, bless them. You know, where's that going to go? And which poll am I going to get filled that it wouldn't have been filled or won't be filled because this money is filled? I just think it's a bit of a line, isn't it? Let's go potholes. It's relatively negative, relatively neutral. Nobody goes, oh, no, don't do the potholes. But then, you know, it doesn't actually do any good. And compared to the, yeah, some of the other stuff they did around, again, trying to solve a problem of doctors and consultants not being able to work because the tax system makes it literally they it's point you might as well volunteer but then fixing that with a dramatic thing that just feels just a timing and the i just i just want to oh i want to sometimes wonder who sat in number 10 in rooms like us or you know like someone like a lad from bradford who goes just hang on a minute guys you're just gonna you, you know that no one's got any food and it's the worst cost of living crisis and you've decided this Today, to say you're going to do that. It was like the top rate of income tax reduction. You just go, who are you people in these rooms? Who are you? How do you think that that's something to do in the middle of this? Uh, By the way, I'm not particularly political, but I definitely get incensed. So I don't know whether that's any good or not. Like crazy people. It goes out. I'm sure that's something that you never think, is it, Alicia? <laughs> who, who are these people and what are they doing? <laughs> never. We should raid number ten. Me and you, Alicia. You go in with all the knowledge, and I'll go in with all the with all the annoyment. And uh, yeah, yeah, between us, maybe we can just get someone to shut up and listen to some normal people for us. Right, I'm done now. There I'm done go. now. I'm finished. I've got all out of my system. Thank you. <laughs> Watch this space, general election 2024. No chance. Nothing to do with no, I've got all this stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can follow the excitement and action at the Evangelical Alliance by following us on Twitter at EAUK News or on Instagram, Evangelical Alliance. As I said before, and I'll say it again, you can email in cross.section at eauk.org. What do you want us to be talking about? What are we not saying that we should be saying? Get involved, continue the conversation. Finally, our listener survey is still ongoing. So at the end of this podcast, or why not even now? Why not now? Get up the cross-section webpage, click on listener survey, and let us know who you are, who's listening, How long have you been listening? What do you want us to be talking about more in the weeks to come? We want to find out from you so that we can make cross-section even better. Finally, we're going to talk about the Isaiah 61 movement. So, John, we know that it's all about equipping Christians for evangelism. But first, can you tell us about the name and the story there? Yeah. So as I left chap, just had this God-given year, just had time to think. And I got thinking about whether God wanted me to do anything else. And then, you know, I read Isaiah 61, which is one of my life application scriptures. Me and Lizzie have tried to embody it in our lives, in who we are and what we do. And it just hit me around the spirit of the sovereign Lord being upon us to preach good news and the sense of it being upon all of us. And then I blame the EEA, actually, for the whole thing, if you don't mind me saying. But in the middle of this night. 2021 that's, that's fine. some research from you guys 
just smack me between the eyes. 44% of Christians say they don't have enough non-Christian friends, don't have any significant Christian friends to share Jesus with. Well, that takes four out of 10 Christians out. And then another 42% just don't know what to do, literally don't know what to do. And if you can get through either of those two, uh, another, the quarter of the remaining basically fear sort of judgment. So, you know, I'm not very good with the English, leaving school and being dyslexic, but I can do the maths. And then our sort of engagement realized eight or nine out of 10 Christians are not engaging and haven't engaged in sharing Jesus for five years. It, it, it's a staggering truth. And it is true because everybody, you've just done it, both of you just now, everybody does it. Everybody listening will be just nodding because you know, we just know. So I determined, number one, before you tell anybody else what to do, do something yourself. So I basically did. So I decided to carve some time out. Even when I started working for Isaiah, uh, started Isaiah, I, I said I'd do four days to leave a day free to change that in my own life. I had no significant non-Christian friends. I had fantastic <laughs> bubbles of friendship. So I went and started a community group on the tourist houses where I live in Bradford. I started, I went and trained to be a police chaplain. And I basically started realizing that if I carry on storing my wonderful seed of blessing in my life in bigger barns, so what? So I decided to share my life and wonderful, wonderful experience. And now I've got some really, really good mates around the local cricket club, having a beer with my mate. Yeah, just leaning into sharing my life and making friends. So that was the first thing. Second thing is I needed to grow in confidence, which is bizarre, really, for somebody who's done cat, but normally I'm speaking to Christian audiences, which is great. So I had to get used to telling people who had no sense of anything about my background that I was a Christian uh, and growing confidence in just sharing my faith. I did that and then getting on to the fact of how on earth do I bring Jesus in. So I've, I've reached the point now where I'm inviting people for them to know more. Anyway, long story short, at the end of that, we decided, right, okay, here we go. So let's have a go at designing something that's unique that helps the 8 out of 10 Christians just begin the journey. So we've had the I-61 app which is basically a goal-setting app. It's free, it's cheap, it's very cheap for people using it. It's really simple and it basically yeah. helps people just basically journey by goal-setting. So if you say you're going to do something, I'm going to do something. It's about two out of 10, you'll do it. By the way, I've been involved in this for my whole life in terms of influencing people to do what they want to do. So yeah, two out of 10 will do something. If you write, and if you write it down, name it, put a name on it, you go up to about four out of 10. If you date it, tell someone else and you decide you can do it. You, It's the same idea, by the way. So that's the same thing. You want to do something. Then you're about seven, 70% of the thing will be done. And we're, we're seeing that. Uh, and all we've done is taken that and made it 20 foot, I don't know what century I mean, 21st century and basically made it accessible to everybody. <laughs> we're, having, we're having, you know, we had 50 goals set in one day across the UK we only launched it last Monday. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I want to ask you more about how it's gone so far. Okay. But just to go back a couple of steps, obviously, so what was it? 43%, 43%. Uh, 43% of, of Christians lack friendships with non-Christians. Can you tell us a bit, obviously, Jesus talks about being in the world, but not of the world, being salt and light. How, how do we address the issue of Christians not having friends who don't yet know Jesus without then treating people like projects? How do we so pursue genuine friends without without kind of letting ourselves off the hook, without being like, well, I don't want to view people like projects. Oh so I'm just, I'm just going to 
wait in church and wait and see what happens. How how do we how do we walk that line? Your heart. It's just your heart. So if you don't want to do something, you're likely to find a reason why. Okay, so that's not about the reason, it's about the heart. Do you really, really not care about sharing Jesus with other people? It's just that's how it is. And if you don't, there ain't no answer to any question I'm ever going to give you that's going to make you do it. But if your heart is to realize the blessings that you have in your life because of Christ and wanting to help other people and having a compassion, then, yeah, that's that's the first thing. The second thing is friendship. Yeah, a friendship can't be a project because people can tell. And I actually think, yeah. I actually think that in most ways, the way that we're doing it is actually the antipathy of projects because basically i think what we've been doing is we've been doing more projects so the actual bit of evangelism that's done in the church is an event evangelism it's like an event well if that in project management of evangelism i don't know what is you know get loads of people in a room and and by the way i'm not i'm, I'm not in any way against uh you know evangelism in any form i clap everybody who shares jesus with anybody that's evangelist well done keep going uh you know they're starting to use our app so it's great we love it but that you know that's that's you know we're the opposite of that we're long-term sort of cultural change within yourself your friends and your church that you put people's you put people first in terms of not christians you put people who don't know christ first and also the other thing i think is i think church is just if you imagine the amount of resources so jesus says the great commission to go and make disciples discipleship is relationship so relationship evangelism makes discipleship. Recently, we did a little bit of sort of anecdotal research, and we reckon probably one or two Sundays a year, a church will talk about about sharing Jesus. Really? Really? You know, on average, a Christian might spend no time at all involved in engaging and deepening friendships and sharing their faith with anybody ever. Really? So, you know, I think the problem and the elephant in the room is so vast. And by the way, yeah, I think... The main thing for us is most people know they should. And should is a wrong word, but it's just the Bible screams at you, crying at you, it screams, share Jesus. Jesus shared himself. What Read your Bible. Anyway, people know they should and people want to. It's unbelievable. We've been overwhelmed by the response. Seriously overwhelmed because everybody really knows they should share Jesus and they want, they should and they want to, but they don't know how to. Well, I'm not going to do it because the projects, I'm like, Please don't. You, you know what I mean? Please don't. I'm not going to do this because I'm going to treat, they're going to be like projects. I'm like, stop yeah. right there. Don't do it. You know, genuine, fr- people can tell, you know, and yeah. So, okay. So the friendship one, I think is fine. And there's no, it's not a course. It's not a six week rush to evangelism. It's a lifestyle change to share your life, growing confidence to share your faith. And in fact, others to find out about Jesus. It's a lifetime's journey. Uh, and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to make loads of friends. I'm going to believe by his spirit, someone's going to get a chance, an opportunity to find Jesus like I did. So, John, the it's all app based, which I love because I'm of that generation. But how do how do we encourage possibly some technophobes amongst us to start? What's their first starting point beyond downloading the app? Uh, how can they engage with Isaiah 61 and this project? First of all, this thing, it's not about the app, okay? okay. It's about doing it with others. It's about community. It's about doing it with your friends. So accountability and doing it with others is a really key part of it. The app is just a, a way of doing it. 
So in terms of the technophobe, we have a, so we trialed this for three, <laughs> three years. We did it in our home with some friends. We were the first trial and we did loads. Basically, uh, we had a line. Uh, my wife will not mind me saying this. So we had basically the Lizzie line. <laughs> Okay, so basically, Matt, the guy who uh, developed it with me, if we did anything that Lizzie couldn't do or couldn't do it, basically, it wasn't good enough. So Lizzie was the line. And then we had another guy called Steve, my mate Steve. Oh, my gosh. You know, unbelievable technophobe. But he had it. You've got, by the way, you do need a phone. I'm just going to be honest here. This, you know, there's plenty of other things. You need a phone. So if you've got a phone, great. If you haven't, that's, you know, there's loads of other stuff you can do. But we do phones. And basically... Uh, we challenge everybody, um, if, if you couldn't get onto the app, okay, we've even, you can you can book a 10-minute phone call with one of our team of mission engagement. They'll actually help you get on the app, but you can get on the app. It's really easy. Just search i61m, press a button. So it's made simple. It's the least complicated thing you're going to ever see on an app. Simply people say, John, all this does is set goals and gives loads of free resources. When are you going to do? And then they give a big list and I go, we're not. No, but when are you going to do? No, we're not. We're not. We're not. Goal setting tool. Share life. Share faith. Share Jesus. Name, action, date, repeat. Name, action, date, repeat. Accountability. Watch some videos. Get inspired. Repeat. It, it, it's designed for Lizzie and Steve. I love the simplicity of that, John. Name, action, repeat. There you go. Takeaway for our listeners. I think, yeah, it's something that we're really excited about. Sort of the point of cross-section or at least part of the point, is we really believe that the more that we understand what's going on around in what's going on in the world around us, these these big news stories that we talk about every week, the more that we're equipped to talk into those issues, the more that we'll be able to bring Jesus into the conversation and articulate what difference he makes. And ultimately, the hope is that more people will come to trust Jesus for themselves and see how he is good news in every situation. John, I wonder if you could just finish by telling us, you know, what are your hopes yeah. and dreams for this app in, in the months and years to come? Our vision is every Christian confidently sharing Jesus. So that's that's the hope. And we just say, why not? Uh, so in terms of the hope is, first of all, I hope me and Lizzie continue to be engaged and I can't wait to see someone find jesus as a result of his spirit within me that he promises in isaiah 61 on a bigger scale we want to be faithful to what god's asked us to do we have so far and i'm not going to limit god my background says god is able to do abundantly more than you can dream or imagine and trust me i'm an ultimate entrepreneur dreamer so whatever i'm imagining if he can do more than that but he did in cap and he has done across the world on multiple times every hour uh, with everything. So this is a big God we've got. I think personally, do you know, I want to change the dial of the UK church to start with. I just want to change this whole internal consumption thing we've got going about. We just consume more and more and more, not more. I do, I remember, I'm very into the environment. I mean, consume as in just more and more and more and more, you know, more, let's let we've consumed lots. Let's get this consumption out. So I want to change the dial of the UK church. I really do because I care about the UK church. I want to see thousands upon thousands of people with friends outside the church with a confidence to share Jesus. And we've also realized completely surprisingly that this thing is beginning to go around the world. So we've got groups in Nigeria already. Uh, we've got over 15 countries represented, people using the app. We wonderfully did it so it can be translated into any language. Three minutes? 
So it's already in Hebrew and in several dialects from Nigeria. And we've also got a Spanish person, apparently. So basically, let's not limit God. All my job is to keep it simple, keep challenging people, keep inspiring people, share lives, share faith, share Jesus, set a goal, i61m, download the app, i61m.org, come to one of our i61 live events, 30 minutes, you can watch it happen. You have to do it live with us in 30 minutes, you set a goal. On Tuesday night, 50 people set a goal in 30 minutes. And that's the first goal most of them have set in their last five or 10 years to share lives, share faith, share Jesus. We're very grateful for the EA. Gavin and you as a team are the best. You've been so supportive and believed in me when I didn't even know what I was doing. So very grateful for the EA. I love what you're doing. Please, please, all the advocacy, all the stuff. Uh, please keep doing it. The church needs it. Let's get real. Let's get in the real world where Jesus was and change some lives and change the world. That we're oh, John, we should have you on more often. John, it's been so good to, to talk to you today. Thank you for your time. That's it for this week, folks. Thanks for listening. Please fill in that listener survey if you haven't already and you want to hear from you. You can find it in the episode description or on the cross-section webpage, which we update every week with extra things to, to listen and read. See you next week. Bye. Hi, it's Peter here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Cross Section. If you liked it, can I encourage you to click subscribe, review the podcast, share the episode on social media or tell your friends so that they can enjoy it too. And don't forget, you can email us at cross.section at eauk.org. See you next time.